6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So coming out of chapter 5, Paul talking about the great work of Christ on the cross. He's contrasting the devastation of the act of Adam to the great work of Christ on the cross. Contrasting these two people, Adam and Christ. When Adam disobeyed, it sent this wave of sin and destruction throughout the whole world. We've all inherited that sin nature. And we've all felt the consequences of that sin, right, in our own lives. It's, sin is very devastating. Uh, that's Paul's argument here is that the problem with us as humans is our sin natures need to be dealt with. But then Christ came, went to the cross, was buried, rose again the third day, ascended to heaven. That work of Christ has really overcome that work of Adam. So this wave of sin and destruction has gone across the world, but this wave of grace, oh, greater than that wave of destruction and sin, and that's where Paul is really ending the chapter 5. He says, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So it's important we think in those terms. We think in terms of abounding grace. And it's easy for us to get caught in kind of a negative mentality that sin is so powerful, it's overcoming me, it's destroying me. You need to remember what Christ has done and the amazing grace that is available to us through Christ. So then Paul coming into chapter 6 he says what shall we say then shall we continue in sin that grace might abound so it kind of begs the question he's given this teaching on the amazing grace of Christ through the cross and it's abounding grace it's not just a little bit of grace it's amazing awesome abounding grace that Christ has given to us so then a person might say well if God's grace abounds then I can just sin it doesn't really matter and that's what Paul is answering here he's saying no that's not what we're teaching that's not what the gospel is just because grace abounds it doesn't mean we should just continue in sin and then Paul gives the reason why he says certainly not how shall we who died to sin live any longer in it so that's really much of what chapter 6 is about. It's about this fundamental change that a Christian has when they, when they come to Jesus Christ, ask for forgiveness of their sins. There's a death. Something dies within them. And then something is made alive. And so this sin nature of Adam that we've all inherited, when we ask Jesus to come into our lives, that old sin nature dies and you're given a new nature. So it's important that we understand that about ourselves. You know, for some of us, it was very dramatic, that, that conversion. For me, it was. You know, I was 17 years old. I was uh, bound by um, drugs and alcohol and just a party lifestyle, totally focused on myself. And uh, I had been brought up in church, and I knew how to get saved. I'd, I'd heard it in church uh, didn't really get taught the Bible at home but you know, my mom was a, a Christian and a good example for me my dad was was not a believer until I was 16 and then he really 
began, that really began to impact my life. But I had, my mom took us to church every week and, uh, you know, good assemblies of God or Baptist church. So I heard the gospel. I knew how to get saved. I just didn't want to up to that point. I was running from God. I didn't want to know God. And uh, long story short, the Holy Spirit was just working on me, speaking to me. I knew he was calling me. I mean, it was an experience I'd never had before where for three days straight, all I could, I could just feel the presence of God. Uh, I just, I knew God was speaking to me and never had anything like that happen in my life before. And by the end of that, the three days, you know, me and God had worked through a lot of things in those three days and I was ready to surrender. And so, you know, I'm at my dad's restaurant cutting fish and right there, I, that was my altar. I said, okay, Lord, that's it. I'm done with this lifestyle. I know I need to turn away from it. I know it's destroying me. And uh, Jesus, I just, I'm asking you to come into my life right now. That's how simple it was for me. I mean, I knew that's how you got saved. I knew I had to repent of my sins, start to live a new life. And I knew I had to um, accept the, the sacrifice that Jesus had, had made on the cross. And so it became very personal for me. And I just began to pray that prayer over and over. I said, Jesus, I just come into my life. I, I, I'm done running. I don't care what anybody else thinks, uh, that I'm a Christian. I, I want to, to live for you. And, um, and I literally felt the Holy Spirit come and fill me. Now, I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't know all of this type of theology. But what happened to me in that moment was my old man died and I was given a new spirit. I was born again is what the Bible calls that, being born again. So what he's saying here in verse 2, he says, how should we who died live any longer in sin? So we died to sin. How can we live in it? So what happened to me was this old man died. I was given a new, the new man that now wanted to live for God and please God. The, that the, the domination of sin and the desire for sin was crucified at that moment. And, and so what really surprised me about coming to the Lord was how I did. I just completely saw my desires change. You know, before I was... A Christian I thought well I'm thinking about becoming a Christian I I know I need to and I guess you just try your best to be a good person you can't really have any fun anymore but at least I won't go to hell that was kind of my attitude and then when I actually crossed the line and asked Jesus into my life I realized that was completely wrong the way I was thinking that I had life within me now I had the Spirit of God within me and so my desires began to change. I wanted to be with God's people. I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to go to church. I wanted to live for God. I wanted to discover what God's will was for my life. So this new desire, this new power was in my life, the very spirit of God. So this is what Paul is really talking about here. He's saying, how can we continue just to live in sin when we've died to it verse 3 do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death so verse 2 he's talking about dying to sin but he's not just talking about like many religions teach that you have to 
overcome uh, sin. You have to become a better person, and you just do your best uh, to uh, die to that that sinful lifestyle. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's he's pointing us now to the cross and saying this is where your death occurred and this is where your life occurred. So he's saying, do you not know as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he's not just talking about water baptism here. He's talking about that interchange that happened when you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, when you asked for forgiveness of your sins, when you invited Christ to come and live inside you. At that moment, your old person died and a new person was born. And so Paul's, Paul's asking, don't you know this? Notice that in verse 3. It says, or do you not know? And he's going to say that several times through this chapter. He's gonna, verse 6, he says, knowing this. Verse 9, knowing that Christ. Uh, and he, so that word knowing, Paul is emphasizing the importance that we know these truths about what Christ did for us. It's very important. We know these things. And again, that's why I'm challenging the church, all of us, to, to really get to know the book of Romans. Do you not know? And some don't know. Some just think, hey, I'm just trying to be a good person. I'm trying to do my best. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is we died with Christ. We rose with Christ. So this the word baptized really means just being immersed in so we were baptized into Christ Jesus. Notice that. It's a relation. It's a person. It's not a religion. You're, bap you're not baptized into a church. You're baptized into Christ Jesus. You become one with him. So his death is yours. His resurrection is yours. Verse 4, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. So there it is. Paul's saying, you don't accept Jesus and then just continue in your sin because grace covers your sin. That's not your heart now. Your heart wants to please God. See, the very nature of sin is us wanting to do it our way. The nature of holiness is Jesus Christ. How did he live his life? He, he gave us a perfect example. He was only and always interested in the will of the Father, not his own will. And he would say that. He goes, my, I'm not doing my own will. You know, we may say, well, I have this dream or I have this desire for my life. That's great, but is that God's will for you? It might be, it might not be. And that's, that's the huge change in, in each of us as a believer. All of a sudden... We've got this new life within us and our, we have this overwhelming desire to want to please God, to want to do God's will. That's what the new life is all about. And, and when we get into chapter 8, really bringing many of these truths to a climax, Paul says, we're being conformed to the image of Christ. That is God's work in our life. Ultimately, we're going to be these eternal Christ-like figures in heaven. God loved his son, was fellowshipping with his son through all eternity, and he made us in his image, and now we're to be conformed to the image of his son who's perfectly obedient to the Father. That should be our, our heart. We want to please God. 
we want to be Christ-like. We want to obey the Father. And so notice that it says we, we would walk in the newness of life. And it's because of the resurrection of Christ. So that sin nature died, but we have a resurrection life to walk in. And I, I thought it was real interesting that, you know, I really didn't plan for this chapter to fall on Resurrection Sunday, but how, how apropos, I mean, you, you might think, well, why don't you, you know, teach on the death and resurrection of Jesus, you know, historically, go to one of the Gospels. But, but what Paul is doing here, he's taking that death and resurrection and personalizing it. What good is it going to do to you if you're not experiencing this death and resurrection of Christ daily? And this is where Paul is pointing us. We're to walk in this newness of life. So we were buried with him and we were raised with him. See, this is where our victory is. It's, it's sad in the, in the church, so many things are taught in terms of you know, how we're to have a changed life, how we're to, how we're to walk in, in victory. But you know, if that teaching is not focused on the cross, throw it out, get rid of it. It's no good. We, and you might say, well, wait a minute. I, you know, I followed these 10 steps and it really helped me, Pastor Rick. So what are you saying? Well, I'm not saying you, you can't get help through, you know, psychology or, or uh, some, you know, law or uh, rule you're applying or some principle. But that's not God's best for you. God's best for you is that you go deep into these truths that that you died with Christ, you rose with him. This is where we want to be meditating and praying and asking the Holy Spirit to teach us these things because it's only spiritually discerned, right? I can, we can talk, read these things, talk about them, but if, if you're not getting a spiritual revelation and applying these, these truths to your life, you're not going to see victory over sin, over that anger problem you have, over that lust problem you may have. Verse 5, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Paul just keeps hammering this truth home. He's going to keep at it, the same principle. I died with him, I rose with him. If, if that's the only thing you remember from this chapter today, ask the Lord to just bring that alive into, into your heart. What does that mean for you, for the, you know, the, the, the sins in your life? You know, sometimes we think, well, you know, Rick, I wasn't a drug addict or an alcoholic like you, so I, I was a pretty good person. No, you weren't. <laughs> the Bible says uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, that's, that's the standard, the glory of God. And I, and I would ask you, you know, are you worshiping God the way you should? Are you serving God the way you should? You might, you might say, well, I'm not doing these things, and that's great, good, I'm glad you're, you're not. But look at, look at the sins of omission. You know, are, you, are you in the word like you should be? Are you 
obedient to the Lord? Are you walking like Jesus? That's the standard. And, and we all look at that standard and it's scary. Like, oh man, well, that should drive us to the cross. That should drive us to the feet of Jesus to say, Lord, teach me these truths. Teach me to walk in your resurrection life. So we're, verse 6 says we're, we're uh, no longer slaves of sin. So we, we might say, well, you know, I can't help my sin. I, I, I just, you know, I, I can't help it. And, and I think that's a, a misunderstanding because the Bible says, well, you're no longer a slave of sin. So you don't have to obey sin anymore. There was a time where sin was telling you what to do and you really had no choice. You really no, had no power over the sin. But now as Christians, we have power over sin. Verse 8, For if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now it's, in this next few verses, it's going to really focus us on the person of Christ and what he did on that cross. Verse 9, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. So really just thinking about Jesus as he is now he he died once for sin and he was raised and he's not going to die again he just died that one time so death no longer has dominion over him and the life he lives now he lives to god so that's just a good thing to meditate on the person of jesus christ what is he doing now what what did he do in the past well he he came to earth, he died, lived a, per he lived a perfect life, died, was buried, rose again. That was a one-time thing, it's over, and now he's living to the glory of God. And so Paul's saying, since you know that about Jesus, now you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. So that death to, to the sinful nature happened one time. And now you're alive to God. In other words, you have this beautiful, open relationship with God, this fellowship with God, unbroken fellowship. There's, sin is not an issue anymore. And you can live for God. You can live for his glory. But you have to reckon it so or account it. It's, this is like a, 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 an accounting term. Account it to be true. Likewise, verse 11. Likewise, you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, alive to God in Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is not an automatic thing that happens to every Christian. There are many Christians who are, who are dominated by sin, bound by sin, they're, and they're, they're still under the law. They're just trying their best to be good people. But those who've grown to a point where they understand these truths, they understand this is a, an act of faith to reckon yourself dead, to say, no, I'm not under the dominion of sin anymore. I'm not under the penalty of sin. I'm not under the power of sin because of what Jesus did. I was in him when he died, and I was in him when he rose. 
Verse 12, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. So there it is. There it is. See, it's a choice we make. God always gives us freedom of choice. We're not robots. God created us with free will, and he will always respect that free will. So as Christians, if we choose not to, to live in victory, he'll let us live in defeat. But if we get into the word and realize who we are and the power we have over sin and begin to, to apply these things by faith, we can have victory. So he's saying, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. It's up to you now, if you know these truths, that you should obey it in, in its lust. So I'm, I'm reading this chapter. I'm thinking, okay, he's saying the old man is dead. He was crucified with Christ. So if you stop there, you just might think, oh, good, sin. I, I will have no more problems with sin anymore because the old man's dead. But, but wait a minute, Paul's saying don't let, don't let sin reign in your mortal body that sh you should obey its lusts. Where's this lust coming from? Where's this temptation for disobedience coming from if, if the old man died? So this gets a little tricky, but I, I was reading um, a book. I have it right there. It's called uh, How to Counsel God's Way. And uh, by Pastor Bob Hoekstra and kind of his whole premise on, on this book uh, for those who uh, want to counsel others. The whole premise is we need to teach people who they are in Christ by focusing them on Romans 5 through 8. And if uh, a believer understands who they are, it's going to clear up a lot of their problems that they're coming to you to be counseled for. And so... Um, The uh, the idea that um, we still have temptation in our lives, he explains it in a way that I think is real helpful. That we we have the the spirit, the Adamic spirit or the old man uh, that is fallen and is is not under the dominion of God. It's under the dominion of the enemy. So when we come to Christ, that spirit man dies and you're given a new spirit but we still have a soul right we still have a body we have a brain we have emotions we have what what the scripture would call the flesh so the old man yes it's dead that old spirit is dead you've been given a new spirit but while we're still in these bodies we still have the memory of sin we still have uh that transformation of our mind that needs to take place that we're going to talk about in uh, Romans 12 being renewed in, in your mind. That, that is a process that has to take place. And that's where the free will comes in. So having the old man dead is a great advantage because it's not uh, going to be a dominating force in our life anymore. But now we have to learn how to deal with this body with this fallen brain, with the, the uh, lusts of the flesh. And Paul's saying, now that you have the power of the Spirit in you, you have to, by faith, apply these truths of death and resurrection so that sin will not reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. So those lusts, those desires to disobey God are going to be there every day. And they, they can destroy you. They can destroy a Christian, right? If you follow, what's the world say? Just follow your heart. 
That is the worst advice. We don't trust our hearts. We follow the heart of God, the heart of Christ, and understand that we still have this flesh that has to be dealt with every day. And that's why Jesus said, you want to be my disciple, then you you don't have to be, but if you want to be my disciple, here's the qualifications. Deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow me. So why do we have to deny ourselves to take up our cross if our old man already died? Well, the, again, the flesh is, is there that has to be dealt with. It has to be put under control. And Paul talks a, a lot about that in other places. You know, he says, I die, I die daily. I keep my flesh under uh, that, that it might not dominate me. So he understood that about himself. And he was not going to allow his sinful flesh to dominate he was going to keep it crucified so that he could he could see god's will fulfilled in his life and uh man i think we've all seen christians uh, who haven't take the, taken these things seriously and um, sin can literally destroy your life and uh, i don't want that for myself or my my loved ones or any of you guys so let's get to know romans so we can we can uh Deal with sin. So then verse 13 is very helpful. It says, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. Okay, so here's, this is a tremendously helpful key I think practical because we're we're talking about these spiritual concepts that are very hard to grasp, right? But he's saying here, don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So you're tempted to sin. And what you do in that moment, you just say, Lord, I, I... I just want to give myself to you right now. I just want to present myself to you. I know in myself I don't have power over this sin, but I, I give you my heart, my mind, my, my body, my eyes, my ears, my heart, my emotions, my desire. You know, maybe you're, you're attracted to the wrong person, right? And, and you're like, Lord, I just give that attraction to you right now. And do you know what's going to happen? God is going to deal with that. It is so awesome how God does this. You present yourself to God as being alive from the dead. You say, Lord, I'm, this is sinful desire, but I believe I died with you. I rose with you. And it, it is amazing, but the power of that temptation will be broken. Or we can choose the other way. We can start to focus on that that sin and and think about it because it you know it may bring pleasure at the moment, and or or that anger that you have, that resentment, that unforgiveness you have towards someone, and you just start thinking about all the bad things they've done to you and how they deserve this, and you know, and you're all focused on that instead of saying, Lord, I know my heart toward this person is not right but I can't change that about myself. But Lord, I, I believe you can give me the heart of Christ. So Lord, let's just kill this, 
this anger, this bitterness, this unforgiveness, and Lord, would you just put love in my heart? And, here, and so, so you're not making this happen yourself, right? God is doing it. Just like it was God who gave you that new spirit in the first place. That's the whole point of this. Paul's saying it's not your self-effort that's going to make this happen. It's you understanding what Christ has done and the power that's available to you and then you choosing to present yourself to God to, to apply these, these powers to overcome sin. Verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law but grace. Amazing verse. You should memorize that. He's basically telling you it is not law that's going to give you victory. It's grace that's going to give you victory. So if you're making your, your list of, well, you know, I, I blew it, I, I sinned, and um, so, Lord, I, I know uh, I got to quit doing this, and so uh, here's my to-do list of how I'm going to overcome. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to start getting up earlier and spending more time with God. That's a great goal. We, we should do that, but that's not going to give you power over sin. I'm sorry, it's not. And some of you may disagree with me. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading you know, 10 chapters instead of five, that's a great goal. You should do that, but that's not going to give you power over sin. A lot of people read the Bible and are still dominated by sin. I'm going to start doubling up and going to church, you know, every day. Um, you know, I actually, when I was single back in my 20s, I used to go to church practically every day, and, and I didn't, I didn't really understand this thing about grace, and I found that, you know, it really didn't give me any more power over sin. I mean, that's a great thing. You know, if you, you, it's, if you can go to church every day, go for it. But understand, that's not what's going to give you power over sin. It's, it's the grace of God through Jesus Christ, his death, his resurrection, and you tapping into that with God, presenting your members to God, as, uh, uh, and understanding his death, his resurrection, that's where the power is going to come. Because you, you're not under law, you're not under rules. Even your own rules you're making up as to how you think victory is going to come. Verse 15, what, sh what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. So he's, he's asking this question again, like he did at the beginning of the chapter, because we're twisted in our thinking. We're saying, oh, we're not under law. Law doesn't apply to us anymore. We're under grace, so we can just send it up. It doesn't matter. Paul's saying, that's not what I'm teaching. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? So I, what Paul is really talking about here, there are consequences to sin. And if you think there's not, you're living in a dream world. And I'm talking to Christians, right? And that's what I think Paul is saying here. Paul's saying, oh, you, you think because you're under grace that it doesn't matter if you sin? Let's talk about consequences then. Because if you put yourself under the dominion of that sin and obey that temptation, now you're going to come under the power of that sin. And guess what that leads to? death. He's talking to Christians here. It's not, not you're going to drop over and die. You know, sometimes you do, you know, if you're into drugs, I knew a, a guy way back in my twenties who had just come back to the Lord and was serving the Lord and then backslid and went out and took drugs and died that night. So it, it can literally lead 
to death, you know, that wasn't God's will for him. But more so the death is death in relationships, um, death, you know, in your walk with God. You're just, you're just not in that close fellowship with him. You're just in this place of frustration. So grace never, we never teaches that sin is okay or it's not a big deal. You know, there's consequences, right? You take an extreme, extreme example, right? You, you go out and commit murder and you get caught and thrown in jail. You can say, oh, judge, I'm a Christian. Please forgive me. I mean, I've really repented, judge. It's like, that's great. I'm so glad you have, but you're going to jail the rest of your life or maybe the death penalty. So that's an extreme example, but same thing in our lives. You, you treat your wife or your husband, or you treat your spouse in a poor way. Do you, are you going to expect a good response back from them? There's a consequence for doing that. There's a consequence. So I want to you know, pray, God, I want to be the best husband, the most loving husband, uh, uh, because I want blessing back from my spouse too right and uh so there are consequences to sin verse 17 but god be thanked that though you were slaves of sin yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered and have and having been set free from sin you became slaves of righteousness I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. So again, this keeps reiterating the truth. You're presenting yourself to God, claiming the, the resurrection power, and... Now this cycle takes place where because you're responding correctly, you're becoming a slave of righteousness for holiness. So again, you, you fall into sin, it leads to death. You fall into righteousness, you choose righteousness, and, and you have holiness. Or you have this life now that's set apart for God. You're no longer dominated by sin, but your life is just given over to God. And that's a you know, as Christians, I think we've been both places, right? Kind of under the dominion of the flesh and, and, but have those seasons where we really feel like we're walking in the power of God and separated unto God, uh, which is better, right? It's, it's the difference between death and life, darkness and light. And, and so it's a beautiful thing to just walk with the Lord, to be set apart for his service. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. So, you know, when I was, before I was saved, I didn't care about righteousness. I was free in regard to that. I didn't, I didn't have to worry about striving to be righteous. I just did what made me happy. But what was the fruit of that? What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death. So that's kind of like, you know, the sinner who's like, oh, I'm so free. I can just do whatever I want. You know, I, take my motorcycle out and ride cross country and smoke weed the whole way. I'm just free, man. What was that movie? Uh, Easy Ride. Yeah, it's like, man, when I was young, I was like, oh, that's like the ultimate freedom. You know, I just want that. And you're just deceived. And it's like, 
uh, one of those guys did die too, right? So that's actually probably a more realistic movie. Um, some redneck blew him away on the uh, freeway. But anyway, it's uh, there's no freedom there, right? I mean, it seems like there's freedom, but the, the end is death. The end is death. So you were slaves, uh, slaves of sin. You're free in regard to righteousness. Verse 21, what fruit did you have? The things you're now ashamed for the end of those things is death. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. So there's this life of holiness, a life where you're set apart for God. Lord, here I am. Present myself to you this day. What is your will, God? Do you think God has some ideas about what he wants to do with your life? Do you think he has one or two? Or like maybe like the sands of the sea, it says his thoughts toward us. He has billions and trillions of thoughts toward each one of us of good things he wants to do in our life every day. He's thinking, I'm sure, for all eternity. But if we would just slow down and say, okay, God, what do you want? I don't care about my will anymore. I've seen where my flesh leads me and it's not in a good place lord what do you want to do through my life and lord i know i can't walk in that in myself but i i believe by trusting in christ and his death his resurrection i can walk in the power of the spirit have overcoming power over sin and begin to walk in holiness god but i'm going to live in that place of the cross that's where our victory is don't look anywhere else you know, just throw out those self-help books. Just throw them out. Go burn them. It's the cross. It's not that complicated, really. It's not. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So, you know, we use that for evangelism. That's a, that's a good one, but he's, he's really talking to Christians here. He's saying, you let sin dominate in your life, it's death. But the gift of God, oh, I love that. See, it's a gift. Victory is a gift. You just have to position yourself to receive it. You just have to be in Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, fellowshipping with him. That's what I love about this too. It's not like principles and religion. It's the person, my loving Savior who died for me as I'm just fellowshipping with him and, and freely receiving that gift. That's, that's what grace is. It's a gift. I don't deserve his Holy Spirit. I don't deserve his power over sin. When I present myself to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, I'm, I, I'm man, I'm just feeling lazy. I don't want to do anything for you, Lord. I, here I am, though. I present myself, and God just, bam, energizes me. It's amazing. Isn't that the flesh? So just lazy, just lazy. Man, we, and we don't even think of that as a sin. I mean, you're supposed to be out here doing this or that, and you're flipping the channels around, whatever. You know, I'm not, there's times to rest and, you know, recover. But let's just be before the Lord and say, Lord, what, what is the best you have for me? I want to hear from you. I want to present myself as one alive from the dead. I want to receive that gift of grace and power. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for 
this amazing chapter. We moved quickly through it, and yet, Lord, may, may we just commit to meditate upon this, to go deep into it, to claim these truths as our own, and the simplicity of it, really, Lord, of, of abiding in you, of knowing you, Jesus, and receiving that daily grace from you and, and, and not being blind to the sin that's in our lives, Lord. Some of us think we're doing better than we really are. There's, there is sin that you want to free us from. And Lord, help us, help us. We need forgiveness. We need power. We need resurrection life, Lord. And we thank you that you died on that cross. You suffered greatly to bring us this life. You didn't deserve that death. We did. And so you dealt with our, our old man that needed to be judged. And you judged it, and it's dead and gone. But, Lord, we have this, this flesh that still wants to rule. And, Lord, may we learn daily how to keep it on the cross and to walk in that resurrection life and just begin to walk with you like Jesus walked with you, Lord, to hear your voice and to follow your will and to understand that's not an easy life. There are There is suffering associated with that. We're going to learn in chapter 8, but, but that's okay because it, it's producing for us an eternal weight of glory. And so, Lord, we just pray, bring these truths to our minds. When we're tempted, Lord, when we're lazy, when we've got our, our hearts in the wrong place, focused on the wrong things, that we just present ourselves to you and you speak to us. You pour resurrection life into us. You speak your will and your power. And, and we learn habitually to walk in this more and more, apply our faith in you, Lord, and, and see ourselves just rise into new heights of victory of just living that separated life, that holy life, even in the midst of a dark world. And, and so we just, uh, we just even now just wait upon you, the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And Lord, if you would desire to uh, speak through your people and a word of encouragement uh, to your body, that you would just do that now. We just want to yield ourselves to uh, the gifts of the Spirit. And Lord, we know that as we walk in these truths, we are going to be more sensitive to your Spirit, I think more usable, less focus on ourselves. And So we do. We just present ourselves right now. Lord, we present our members, our, our bodies, our hands, our feet, our mind, our eyes, our ears, our tongue, everything we, we present to you as instruments of righteousness, Lord, for your use and no longer using these things for sinful purposes, Lord. And we just receive that gift of grace, that power of the resurrect, resurrected Christ. 